come with me. We're going on a fantastic cruise. Pick your destination with news tips and reviews. But here is an item you might not have thought of. All of the things under the water. Nature surrounds us with elegant features. You can't go on a cruise and not see the creatures. So let's make some magic. Let's get ecstatic. Instantly classic. Maybe romantic. The wildlife around you. Cinematic on your fantastic cruise. Bon Beanie, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fantastic Cruising. We got a good one for you today because we are going to be joined by some friends. Yeah. And uh, these friends are people from the community. So you guys may not know them in person, but you probably know who they are. What we really wanted to do was get some first-time perspectives of different aspects of cruising. So we talked to Jennifer DeHart, who is very active in the community, and she went on a cruise recently, and it was her first time snorkeling. So we thought we'd, well, first of all, she sent us an email, and it was so great that we thought, hey, why not bring Jennifer on the podcast and actually get her firsthand perspective instead of just reading her email? Yeah, and the cool thing is Jennifer has been in contact with us kind of back and forth and asking me a lot of questions about snorkeling, and she said I inspired her. The snorkel. She's joking. No, she's not. You're right. She's not. <laughs> but no, that I, I do hope that I have that influence on people. I hope that people that are maybe had never thought about snorkeling or maybe they're a little nervous, hopefully from listening to this podcast, they will try it out and love it like I think Jennifer did. So let's go ahead and get right to Jennifer DeHart. Absolutely. Hi, Jennifer. I'm so glad that you, that you came on. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. It's good to see you and, and nice to see all the kitties. We, we've got a lot of kitties. <laughs> Cats are always popular on, on videos. They should be popular on, on podcasts too, I think. Wow. I mean, I am a cat guy, so. You are. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're going to talk about your snorkeling. So you did snorkeling for the first time recently, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, what made you choose to do a snorkeling, um, I guess, excursion? Um, it's really Matt's influence. Um, <laughs> the Cruise Geeks podcast and just watching the YouTube videos on snorkeling and um, hearing you talk about it. So yeah. I wanted to give it a shot. It's always good to hear that for me because I always worry when I'm making these podcasts, like, are, are people going to be bored hearing about cruise creatures and stuff but then when I hear stories like that where somebody's like actually inspired to go and explore the underwater world for themselves it makes me feel like I'm I'm doing the right thing <laughs> yes and I'm more of a, on top of the water <laughs> type of person not so much in the water so it, it was just really a fascinating experience just to see something different yeah absolutely it's a different perspective once you dip your face in the water and get the fish eye view so to speak yes yeah that's awesome where did you go snorkeling at um this was french key in rotan honduras was it was that like a was it a boat snorkel or was it from shore it was a boat snorkel okay which made it even more scary <laughs> <laughs> your first time snorkeling and they're just dumping you off a boat and you're like wait a minute what's going on yeah <laughs> did you use fins did they give you fins I purchased fins and a full face snorkel mask in advance. Okay. And my husband just used what they had. Okay, cool. So you like the full face snorkel mask? Yes, I loved it. Yeah, it's nice because you can like, you can really breathe. I guess that's the big thing. Yeah. You don't yeah, have to worry about the water in your mouth. Yeah, exactly. breathe through your mouth, breathe through your nose. I didn't want to stick a big piece of plastic in my mouth and be focusing on <laughs> breathing. Uh, right. I just really wanted to enjoy myself. Yeah, absolutely. That's I, I've used the full face snorkel as well. And I've used both, but I really like just being able to breathe normal. Like I don't have to think about getting water in my mouth and stuff. So that's really Yes, exactly. Especially salt water. Yeah, salt yeah. water is awful. <laughs> now your your husband used the the gear that came with the excursion. Did they give him big fins or just were they the little bitty short they were big fins? Big fins, yes. Okay, good. Because those little, those little short fins just don't don't cut the mustard for me. But uh some places will give you those, which is kind of nice because you get a big like almost herd of people in the water. 
and the, at least the little fins, you're not as likely to get kicked in the face. But they also make it harder to get from point A to point yeah. B for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, okay, so you use the full face, and um, I know that you said you were nervous. What What were you nervous about before you went snorkeling? What were your anxieties <laughs> um, there? I'm not a good swimmer. And I don't know, just something about putting my face under the water and breathing kind of was just a little scary. <laughs> I, I hear then, that a lot. Yeah. And, and a lot of people say that about like scuba diving. They're like, I'm afraid I'm going to be claustrophobic. It's hard for me because I'm so comfortable in the water. But, um, but that's definitely something I hear. Now, do you think that the full face mask helped you feel more comfortable breathing underwater then since you could breathe through your nose and mouth? Yes. Okay, so that's yeah, yes, that's absolutely. Yeah, I can actually absolutely understand that fear. Um, I snorkeled with another friend, and she she tried the full face, and she like panicked as soon as she stuck her face in the water. It's something about having your face in the water that's that's weird because you're not supposed to breathe underwater. She didn't like it, even with no, the full face. She, she was just like she, she wasn't got having out. it. Yeah, I'm she glad that it. it worked out for you then, Jennifer, because I I know that there are some people that just can't get past it. Now, um. How deep was the water where you were snorkeling? It was five feet. Okay. That's, oh, that's pretty good. That's yeah. not too bad. Yeah. That's nice, too, because if you are not going to free dive and swim underwater, if the water's like even 12, 15 feet deep, sometimes it gets harder to see stuff. Unless there's really stuff kind of sticking up off the bottom, five feet is a, is a good depth because... Did you feel like, was there, was there coral coming off of that then? Or so like, were you pretty close to the coral or was that like where the coral started about five feet? Um, no, the coral was lower um, on the ocean floor. Okay. And there was a ton of coral. Yeah, lots of coral. It was, it was just amazing. Just swimming over the coral. It was just amazing. But you didn't feel like it was so shallow that like, I went to this place in Honduras called Maya Key, and there's actually a kind of a canal, a cut through that you have to swim through to get out to the reef where you can snorkel because the, the depth is only, is probably seven or eight feet deep, but the coral sticks up so high that in some places, like you couldn't even get over it, but the coral was like low enough that you didn't feel like you were going to kick it or, or anything like that. Yeah, I think so, but I, I did panic um, a little bit. It did dawn on me, whoa. Everything's magnified. Oh, yeah. How close am I to the coral? Right. And when I saw that spiny black sea urchin, it yeah. really freaked me out. I, was oh. like, <laughs> I knew I knew it wasn't going to hurt me, but it just, it kind of freaked me out. It's like, it's this strange creature, and I'm over this <laughs> coral, and everything's magnified. And I had a panicky moment there, but... <laughs> But you got, but you got past it. You, yeah. You, you saw yeah. your way through it. So yeah, the, I mean, the important thing to remember about, about like the spiny sea urchin and most of the sea life in general is the best way to, to stay safe from it is just to be calm. And, and usually it's going to find its way to avoid you. And in, in the case of the sea urchin, you know, it's not going to move around very fast or anything like that. So, uh, but, but it, it can be a little bit daunting because I think you said in your email, like you were a little bit worried about not being able to put your feet down and stuff. Yes. That was kind of a, a little bit of a stressful situation. You wore a life jacket to, to snorkel? Oh, with? yes, absolutely. And that's good advice. So do they offer snorkeling vests and life jackets and noodles? Do yes. they have different options for you guys? Yes. But you chose the life jacket, which is, I think, if you are uncomfortable with your, with your swimming, if you're nervous about getting in the water, I think wearing the life jacket is perfect because for most people – you're not going to be swimming under the water. You're just going to stay at the surface. So the life jacket is just going to make that whole experience easier and more relaxing. And uh, also you don't have to worry about, you know, getting wore out or anything like that. Like you're, you're pretty much good where the snorkel vest, you can put air in it, you can let air out of it, which is great, but you, that's like another thing you have to consider. And if you're only in five feet of water, you, you, there's really not much reason to swim underwater for, for most people. So life jacket is probably the way to go. Did that help you feel more comfortable then? Oh, yes, life jacket? absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Now, um, were there any things that you didn't anticipate that were like more difficult than you realized? Like was anything like a surprise to you when you snorkeled? Well, really just not being able to stand on the bottom because I'm five foot nine. So the water would not be over my head. 
but the fans kept, I guess, pushing me up, and uh, that was a surprise. Yeah. And then the mask itself, just just getting used to it and making sure the seals were sealed around my face and didn't we were leaking right. it, and then, you know, all those little things. Um, yeah. It was a little harder yeah, than I thought. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How long do you think you snorkeled for? About 45 minutes. Oh, okay. oh, that's a good amount. That's a yeah. good, yeah, that's a good long time, especially for a boat excursion. Did you feel like as the time went on, you were getting more comfortable with it? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, that's that's another thing. That's why really we wanted to have you on the podcast is because we thought it was really cool to get like your firsthand experience because we knew that you were new to snorkeling and that you were a little apprehensive about it. <laughs> so it's it's I think it's great that you could come on here and kind of, hopefully like ease some people's fears and uh, and we can get more people to to snorkel out there and, and experience all the cool wildlife, which speaking of, did you see a lot of cool like creatures and stuff like that? Oh, absolutely. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, we saw the blue tang, starfish, uh, yellow-tailed snapper, cock, spiny lobster, just seems like a zillion fish. Plus all the corals, yeah. plus the scary black sea urchin. And <laughs> <laughs> it was like coming up on a spider when you're not expecting it. <laughs> uh, well, Kimber can relate to that. Absolutely, I'm no like spiders here. I get excited when I see the mm. unexpected spider, but she's she's like no go on the spider. It's beneficial, but I don't want to be too close. <laughs> and uh, there was a white sea urchin too, uh, puffer fish, tons and tons of fish. It was really amazing. It was totally the best part of the cruise and the best excursion. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. So it sounds like you liked it. Would you snorkel again? Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Do you think your husband's going to get his own gear? Did he Did he enjoy the He excursion? did. And he will get his okay. own gear. Yeah. yeah. It makes a difference, you know, when you get your own gear, um, you can get that fit just right and you're comfortable with it. And like you said, you, at first you were a little apprehensive, a little had to get used to it. But by the end, you were starting to adjust. So the next time you go snorkeling, in theory, you'll you'll start at a, a different point and you'll adjust even quicker and have an even better experience in the water, which it sounds like you had a good one yeah. on this trip as well. Yeah, so. I sure did. I have a question for you. Now, yeah. they asked me if they had... I guess scuba socks or dive socks or something to wear with my fins. Okay, is that something yeah. I should have? Or? So scuba socks or, or there's, there's different versions of them. Some of them have tread, some of them don't have tread. And the, the real purpose for those is if you're one, if you're in cold water, then they're going to keep your feet warm. So you've got the wetsuit, but then they're going to keep your feet warm, but also certain styles of fin. If you don't wear them, you might get blisters on your feet. So it's usually the fins that have the straps on the back that will give you a blister. Um, but just like with shoes, some are more likely to give some people blisters than others. I will usually wear uh, just real basic aqua socks if I'm, if I'm snorkeling with, um, with my fins that, that do have the strap. But if I'm wearing full boot ones, like that my foot fits into like a, a shoe type thing, then I usually don't unless they're like really um free diving fins and they're really long or something like that so depending on what kind of fins you have basically are your fins are they a strap yes. or are they like a okay yes. so did you so did you wear them did you get any sort of blistering or anything no like that? i had no issues then i wouldn't worry about okay. it and and to be honest with you uh, a good cheap solution to that that is perfectly fine in warm weather is just a nice pair of athletic socks not and by nice i mean thickness not like okay <laughs> and uh and just put those on and they will actually keep you from getting a blister however i'll also say you can find just the the inexpensive aqua socks that are um just the just basically a neoprene sock without the treads and those are usually fairly inexpensive and uh, and they'll look cooler but uh, but they'll but they'll do basically the same thing as as just a regular sock, just to keep you just to keep that friction from getting a blister and stuff. So. Okay, thanks for coming on, Jennifer. We really really appreciate your input. Oh, thank you so much. I enjoyed talking to y'all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and uh, let us know when you go on future like snorkeling trips or any cruise for that matter, because I'm curious to see. I know you were on the Norwegian Breakaway. I'm curious to see your opinions and stuff on that. So thank you for contributing at Fantastic Cruising Community and uh, coming on to the podcast. Absolutely.
absolutely. You're welcome. Well, that was cool getting to talk to Jennifer. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, I, I think, you know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. One of the most rewarding things of doing all this cruise stuff for me has been meeting people and so many nice people out there. It's just really cool to to just get to know all these new faces. And when you get to talk to them in person, it's a little bit different than just communicating through like Facebook prompts and even texts and stuff like that. Absolutely. It's it's really funny because obviously we communicate through like the Facebook group. But when we had Jennifer on, we just like started talking and it was like, oh, wait, we haven't actually met you. So, yeah. hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, it's kind of weird, right? Yeah. And, and then the other thing that's weird for us a little bit is that sometimes we talk to people and then they kind of know more about us from listening to the podcast and, and whatnot than we know about them. So it's if we if you meet us and we're a little like seem a little awkward, that's probably because we're we're shy and don't know you well. And you may <laughs> feel like you know us a lot better. You probably do. Yeah. Well, you know, Jennifer saw a lot of cool creatures and she was really excited about it. So we decided that we would go ahead and ask her to choose the cruise creature this week. And she did. She chose a cruise creature. She did. Do you know what it was? I I thought you knew what it was i mean you're the cruise creature guy i hope you have information on this creature i i don't even know what it is what is it it is a porcupine fish oh that's right no i knew it i knew it was a porcupine fish yes i do have some information about the porcupine fish do you want to know what it is i want to know all of the stuff okay first of all they're not actually porcupines but they are fish they are fish one out of two (laughs) So the the porcupine fish is kind of a generic term because there are different fish with that in their common name. And there are also fish that look a lot like porcupine fish, which are called things like burfish. And there are also puffer fish. And sometimes those common names are used interchangeably. If you are going to be super specific, there are different groups of fish and there are some that would include the porcupine fish, but they're also sometimes called things like the balloon fish, and there's just different names. It gets really confusing, unless you're talking about a very certain specific species, which is what we're going to do. We're going to pick what is sometimes called the spotted porcupine fish, and or sometimes the spot fin porcupine fish, but I, I wanted to do this one because it's one of my favorite fish to encounter, and it's also one of the biggest fish in this group. So the the spot fin porcupine fish can get up to two feet long. Wow. Is that the big ones that we have at the aquarium? We do. We have a really big one at the aquarium who's like target trained and stuff. Yeah. And he he swims around and just stares at you. He's so cute. They have a lot of personality. Like if you see a porcupine fish or, or any of these sort of puffer or balloon fish, they all seem to have a lot of personality. They they are usually really curious And I've run into several porcupine fish out snorkeling and scuba diving, and they don't go away at first. If you get too close to them, then they'll swim away and they'll hide, but then they're not super fast swimmers, so they just usually go a little bit of a distance away, and then you can just swim up and, you know, just stare at them, and they stare at you. And I don't know what they're thinking, but I'm thinking, you're such a cool little fish. Well, not necessarily little, though, in this case. Yeah, the ones I've seen, they always look so happy. You're right. They do. And, you know, I think we have some good pictures of porcupine fish, the one that we work with. So uh, we'll we'll post those on Facebook so you guys can take a look at these adorable little fish. Big, big fish. fish. Why do I keep calling them little? I mean, it's all, it's all relative. They're little to you, but big to them. Yeah, and compared to other porcupine fish or, or puffer fish, they're, they're ginormous. Now, they, their actual scientific name, their genus name is Diodon, which di means two, and don is like teeth. So they, they actually have they actually have four teeth, but two on the top, two on the bottom. They're fused together, and they have really strong bites. I don't know this from experience. Never been bitten by a porcupine fish. No, and I hope to never be bitten by a porcupine fish because those teeth are really good for cracking into things like um, mollusks like clams or snails or cracking into crabs. So they're they're made to really break through things. And I don't want that to be my finger. No. That would be bad. That would be really bad. Yeah. Plus, you have lovely fingers. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. 
Anyway, uh, porcupine fish are, are pretty neat. And of course, they they do sometimes get called puffer fish because they share with the puffer group the ability to puff up. And so the way that they do this is if they get scared, since they're not fast swimmers, they just fill themselves full of water and stretch their skin out. And they can go to like three times the size that they are when they're not puffed up. That's like huge for this guy then. Yeah, right. We're already talking about a big fish, like a two foot thick fish. And then it's going to go to three times that. No, it's not going to be like six feet long, but it just gets, it just balloons out. Like it becomes a sphere. Yeah. And they have, of course, like the name would imply, they've got these little like spikes on them. And that makes them really unappetizing. And very few things will try and eat a puffer fish because if they puff up, then suddenly what they thought was going to be a meal that would fit in their mouths is now too big to fit in their mouths. And if they ate it, then they get those spikes in there. I mean, it's a choking hazard. If they were a toy, they would get recalled. (laughs) So porcupine fish are are pretty bad in that way. Um, I mean, bad like cool, not like bad like bad. Anyway... They have another way of being bad, and this is kind of the bad way of being bad, and that is that they are poisonous. Oh, that's right. Yes. Now, uh, I know the last episode we talked about venomous animals like uh, blue ring octopus and jellies and things of that nature, but we didn't mention the porcupine fish because they are not venomous. They are poisonous. And what I mean by that is you have nothing to fear from porcupine fish unless you eat them. Yeah, I actually did a project in high school about their poison, or not their poison, but whatever. The whole fact that they're poisonous. In my chemistry class, I did like the chemical breakdown of it. Oh, very cool. Yeah. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Great, because I don't remember any of it. Not your project specifically, but they're they're poison, because their poison is really, really interesting. Do you remember what the poison is called that they have? I don't. It starts with a T. Tetrodotoxin. I do remember that Does that, that sound now. familiar? Yeah. Is that, does uh-huh. that ring a bell? It does. Tetrodotoxin is one of, if not the most lethal, naturally occurring toxin in the animal kingdom. Like, it is, like, really, really toxic. And people that ingest pufferfish, the wrong part of pufferfish, including the porcupine fish, what happens is they it doesn't mess with you neurologically in the sense that, like, you get fuzzy-headed, so you're completely aware of what's going on. But it basically, it makes you a little dizzy and it just slowly causes you to go into paralysis. Like you get a little bit of tingling and then it just pretty much shuts down your muscles, including your heart. So it's terrifying. Yeah. So don't eat them. That's that's my advice. Now, there are places in the world where they're considered a delicacy and they have to be prepared very carefully so that they avoid the organs that contain this tetrodotoxin. But uh, yeah, not really worth the gamble, in my opinion. Nope. No. But the the interesting thing about the tetrodotoxin, besides it being super, super lethal, is that it is also shared by things like the blue ring octopus, certain snail species. There are a lot of other animals that are sea animals, and even there's even a salamander species that uses tetrodotoxin as their chemistry of defense. And the thing about this toxin is that it's actually not produced in the same way that, say, uh, snake venom is or jellyfish venom is, because those are basically chemicals that are produced by the animal themselves. Tetrodotoxin is a, is a result of different types of bacterias that collect in these animals and forms this, like, super potent toxin. So it's, it's interesting. It's almost, like a, it's almost like a symbiotic relationship with a deadly chemical. <laughs> it's, it's really crazy. And, uh, and and it can, like blue octopus, of course, can be really lethal if they, if they bite you and you don't get to a hospital. And so it's the same thing with these guys. But again, you have to literally eat them for that to happen. So don't eat them. Don't eat them. Uh, I, think that's, I think that one thing we can take away here is don't eat the porcupine fish or the puffer fish. Or learn how to prepare them the correct way. No, just don't no, eat them. No, just don't eat them. Just don't eat just them. Just don't eat them, yeah. Now, having said that, of course, if you do see one while you are snorkeling or scuba diving or doing whatever underwater, check them out and watch them for a little bit. And if you move slowly and cautiously that you don't scare them, they'll probably just kind of hang out. And I've also found that if you see one in a spot... Even if you do accidentally scare it or scare it on purpose or, 
you know, whatever. If you come back to that spot in a little bit, the animal will probably return because they, they tend to they tend to hang out in one area, except for when they're little, because until they hit about, I think, 12 inches or so, they are pelagic. Do you know what that word means? Pelagic? I don't. Pelagic means that they are they are open ocean animals. So they're basically, they're going with the flow. They're drifting with the currents. And because of that, they are found, this species that we're talking about here, they are found in all of the oceans of the world as long as it's warm enough. So all the tropical, subtropical oceans of the world, you can find the same exact species of porcupine fish. Well, they, that's really cool. They get around. That's what I'm <laughs> saying. Actually, there there is some scientific study that there may be some different speciation uh, in very different locations, like maybe even on the other side of Central America, so in the Pacific over there. Even though they're close geographically, they're worlds apart because the oceans aren't connected. So they're, they're may, they may be apart long enough that they've actually separated uh, genetically enough to be different species. But that's yet to be determined by future scientists. I see. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. But thank you so much again, Jennifer, for your interview and all of your experiences you shared with us and giving us the porcupine fish. Yeah, definitely. That was a good choice. Have you seen a porcupine fish out in the wild? If you have, uh, let us know. Send us an email, fantasticcruising at gmail.com. Tell us your story about meeting a porcupine fish. Hey, Matt, do you remember the first cruise you ever went on? I do. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I think 2011, 2012. I'd have to check. But yeah, I mean, that's only like seven years ago. That's less than 10 years ago. I remember it. It was awesome. It was amazing. It was the first time I'd ever cruised. So everything was shiny and new and lovely. What? Where'd you go? What ship was it on? Tell me all about it. It was on the Monarch of the Seas. It, which was which is a ship that was at that time very old and now is not even in service with Royal Caribbean anymore. It was a really small old ship and it went out of Port Canaveral and it was a three night and it went down to Coco Key, K, Key, K, and it went to Nassau and then came back. So there was no day at sea. It was just Coco Key, Nassau, maybe opposite order, I don't remember, and then back to... Cape Canaveral. Cool. Yeah. What about you? How long has it been since you were first cruise, and do you remember much of it? I remember pretty much all of it. My first cruise was in 2016. so Much more recently. Yeah, three years. Actually, right about this time. I think it was the beginning of November in 2016. So nice. almost three years ago now-ish. Of course, what you don't remember is from... Having a few too many drinks at uh, Mr. Sancho's or wherever, right? I Paradise mean, <laughs> that that wasn't the first cruise. Oh, that wasn't the you were sober on the first cruise. I mean, some of the time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my first cruise was on the Carnival Paradise, which is my favorite ship. Maybe that'll change. Who knows? Maybe. Um, and it was a five-night out of Tampa to Cozumel and Grand Cayman. That sounds like a good cruise. Yeah. yeah. So good we might go on a similar one. <laughs> <laughs> we were going to do the Paradise, but then we were like, no, let's do Royal Caribbean and shake it up a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, I've, I've done that same cruise, and it's a, it's a good run. It's a good time. Well, listen, we have Tony Dials, one of our cruising community people who contributes a lot to the show, just like Jennifer and we got him on the line and talked to him about his very first cruise. And we have that interview coming up. Sounds good. Hey, Tony, how are you doing today? I am wonderful. How are you guys? I'm pretty good. Kimba, how are you? Great. You're good? You're doing good? I'm fantastic. You're fantastic. That's appropriate, right? <laughs> fantastic. Well, Tony, first of all, before we go any further, let me just say thank you. I really appreciate that you are so active in the fantastic cruising community. You're always sending us emails. You're always contributing over there. And that is like so valuable to us and so important to us. And, uh, and so what's really surprising to me though, because we have some other people that do that, but you had never been on a cruise. <laughs> nope. Like, okay, nope. most people, they go on their first cruise, sometimes reluctantly, sometimes not. And then afterwards they get the, the bug, the hook. 
and then they they start seeking out all the stuff. Now, some people do find like the YouTube channels and stuff beforehand, but you like went full on, right? I did. I um, whenever I want to start into something before I ever actually do it, I get uh, as my wife says, obsessed. Uh, every <laughs> uh, really everyone in my life would have said the same thing because it was like before I even went on a cruise, we talked about the idea of going on a cruise, and I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to research it. I'm going to look into it, and then I came across your original podcast the the cruise geeks and i just started listening and i mean literally within two weeks i had made it through like 30 episodes because i have a a job (laughs) that that i can listen to podcasts as i'm working and i'm just i was hooked immediately and then listening to you guys uh the way you guys were so excited about everything i was like man i can't wait and so the more you guys talked about everything the more i wanted to jump in and learn as much as i possibly could and so when I, when I found you guys on Facebook and then you came over and started doing fantastic cruising, I felt like, like you guys were what I, I, I needed to understand what I was getting myself into with, with cruising. And so, yeah, I, I jumped in full, both feet in. Everyone <laughs> thought I was crazy. My wife thought I was going to be super let down. She's like, you're, you're being ridiculous about this. Uh, but it was absolutely worth it. It was helpful. Um, I left you a, a review actually on iTunes and, and, and literally just expressed the, the way that I felt like I was so prepared going into this. Like we had never left the country. We'd never been on a cruise ship. I've been on large ships before because my father was actually in the military in, in the Navy in Norfolk. And so oh, cool. I had been on large ships before. Totally different experience though. And so if it wasn't for digging in like I did with you guys in the podcast, I, I felt like I probably would have been way over my head. Well, I understand like when the first time I went on a cruise, I had a lot of questions. I had a lot of anxiety about, you know, are they going to microcharge me for everything and mm-hmm. how does this work and how does that work? But, um, but yeah, that, that's cool. I, I'm glad that, that we were helpful in that way. And I hope that, that we're helpful to other people in that way as well that are just getting into cruising and, and we can kind of lend our little bit of experience we have and, and then you can build on yours and we'll learn stuff from you speaking of that now your wife was she as excited about cruising as you were was this your idea or her idea or how that uh, was it was it was my idea um I, I i wanted to do it she she was less hesitant about it just because of the unknowns she also uh she has this thing where it, it doesn't become real until she's there and so she didn't <laughs> let herself get excited literally until we were at least two miles out from charleston like we are in the the oceans around us there's no escaping the ship she's like man it is real we're on a cruise i gotta admit too like when you went on this cruise like i knew you were so psyched but i totally understand what your wife was saying like there was a little part of me because i was thinking when you went on the cruise i'm like i'm gonna see if i can get tony on the podcast just to get that kind of first time expectations versus what happened kind of a thing i'm like man what if he comes back and he is let down like you are so psyched so revved up for this I'm like, is it going to be like, did he build it up too much? Is he going to be disappointed? But it sounds like you weren't. Sounds like you had a really good time. I I had a great time. Uh, I will tell you right off the bat, the only only downside for me was disembarking. The only downside for my wife was the food. Oh, okay. She didn't like the food or? She, the only thing we got these, the only thing that she liked was like these 28 ounce steaks that we got in the (laughs) steakhouse. Um, other than that, like she could not find a thing at all to eat, which was to me remarkable because I'm the picky eater out of us. I eat like five things and that's about it. I found more to eat on this ship than she could. And I was gonna say, there's just, a lot, there's a lot to eat on the ship. <laughs> there was. And the thing that, the, the thing that really, I guess, got to me was the fact she loves sushi. She didn't go into the sushi restaurant one time. And I'm like, Hey, we're walking past this why don't we go in here and try? No, no, it's okay. Let's just go see what they have in the Lido. <laughs> Hang on. Let's, let's backtrack for a second because I know where you went and, and what ship, but, but just tell us so everybody knows, like, what ship were you on and, and what was your itinerary? So we were on the Carnival Sunshine out of Charleston. Uh, we went to Princess Kays, which I remember y- you guys talked about uh, in, in one of your episodes. You were like, is it Keys or Kays? Right. <laughs> Every, everyone on the island specifically said Princess Kays. And so yeah. that's, that's, that's what I, I go with uh, is Princess K. Uh, so we went there and then we went to Bermuda. And it, it, was, it was gorgeous. It was absolutely gorgeous. I have to tell you too, the Sunshine is, a, is an interesting ship because it's one of those ships that is kind, it's kind of like 
black licorice, like people either seem to love it or mm-hmm. hate it as far as cruise ships go. But there are a lot of fans of the Carnival Sunshine out there. Yeah, I, I was really surprised when I, I was looking up the reviews for the ship. And it, exactly as you said, it was everyone either loved it or they hated it. There was zero in between. There was zero like, this was okay, but this wasn't. It was, no, this is the dumbest ship ever, or this is the greatest ship ever. <laughs> Being your first ship, it's, there's nothing you really have to compare to cruise ship-wise. So it'll no. be interesting when you go on other ships to see what you think of it. But if you liked it from the get-go, you're probably never going to be disappointed in the Carnival Sunshine. And you might be one of the people that think it's one of the awesome ships out there. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. Um, that from what I had understood, I know uh, there, there. I can't remember who said it, but there was there was somebody that talked about that this ship was actually smaller than some of the other ships that that Carnival has in their fleet, and so you feel a lot more movement in this one. We only really felt movement like the second or third night in, uh, and I thought it was the funniest thing ever. I couldn't sleep that entire night. The the the, the ship was rocking back and forth. We had fifty knot winds. And it's like three in the morning and I'm laying there like shifting back and forth in the bed, wide awake. Cheyenne's next to me just snoring. She's out <laughs> cold. And I'm like, how is this happening right now? <laughs> some, it's the same thing. I think some people that just puts them to sleep and other people sleep. sleep. Yeah, 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 exactly. I like it. <laughs> I, I liked it towards the end. It was, it was more enjoyable towards the end of the cruise when I, I felt more acclimated to it. Now, why did you choose, well, first of all, why did you choose cruising? You said kind of, you kind of led into this a little bit, but what, what made you decide to go on a cruise? So both my wife and I are, are very adventurous. We, we love exploring, especially historical things. And really in, in the country itself, the, the oldest you can get is 300 to 400, maybe up to 600 years old, depending on where you go. And so we're like, Let's get our passports. Let's see what it's like to, to leave the country. Um, and it seemed as if like the most convenient way was cruising. And so we're like, let's just get on a cruise ship. Everything's taken care of. We wanted to try a vacation where we didn't have to plan anything. We didn't have to cook anything. We just go and we're basically babysat for the entire time. Absolutely. And that's, and that's really cool. Now you went to Bermuda and Princess K where there, mm-hmm. is, there is some history there. And as are you, I'm assuming you're going to go on a cruise again. Oh, absolutely. So you can get down to like Mexico, Central America and get to those old Mayan ruins. You're talking yes. way back in time then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lots of That's, cool I'm stuff. really excited for that. I've already been thinking about those kind of things. I just got to talk Cheyenne into it. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, so you chose to go on a cruise. What made you choose like the the ship, the port, the cruise line? Like what was going through your head to make all those choices? See, that was actually... Um, an accident we so we were like hey let's go on a cruise and then we looked up carnival website and the first thing that came up was bermuda you know like man that sounds great let's check out bermuda and it was kind of one of those situations where it's like the first thing you see just catches your attention and that's what you, we went with it was the the shiniest thing at that moment <laughs> and we actually went back and forth we were like let's do this in september i wanted to do august because i didn't want to wait i started listening to to the cruise geeks and i'm like no we need to do this right now i want to go like tomorrow uh unfortunately we had to put it off until october and then we didn't even realize at first that it was a halloween cruise which made it just spectacular it was just so much fun for that aspect but uh we kind of jumped in just immediately with the first one we saw which happened to be the sunshine in october um, so we booked that and it wasn't until after we had booked it that I actually called into Carnival and was like, hey, what's the ship all about? Well, how do we do these things and what do we do? And they, they couldn't really give me good answers. And that's when I was like, hey, I'm going to just start researching everything. And right. you guys got really in depth with, with a lot of the stuff you talked about. And, uh, and from there it just grew. But yeah, it was actually completely by accident that we picked the, the first one that we saw and just went with it. Now, are you driving distance to that port? Let's, you went out of the Carolinas, is that? Yeah, it was out of Charleston, South Carolina. Um, and it wouldn't have mattered if we were probably in North Dakota. We would have drove it either way. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we enjoy road tripping. Okay. And so uh, technically, yes, everything is within driving distance to us, as long as there's no major bodies of water in the way. That's true. So I'm, I'm a little jealous, to be honest with you, because... One of the ports I've never been to is Bermuda. It's hard for me to get there. Living in Florida, mm-hmm. I have to, I mean, yeah, I could drive there, but there's so many ports closer to me that yeah. I've just never gone up there. And one of the cool things, not only is Bermuda an interesting place to me, but one of the cool things about it is 
you get to stay overnight there. And I, I don't know of many places where you get to do that in the in the kind of Caribbean U.S. Yeah. port. So that's really interesting. Something that was I, I thought was really intriguing when we got there, uh, the Carnival Pride actually pulled in. I guess they said they they pulled in and then they watched us come in behind them. They're there for almost three days. They're there for two and a half nights. And I was like, man, I, I didn't know that they would go that long in one port. But that was their only port stop that they had. I wish that I wish that the cruise lines would actually do that in some of the other ports because there's a lot of ports that I would like to spend the night at. I know I've done some where they we left late and just to see like the sunset or to oh, see yeah. the ship lit up at night. It's like so cool, but to know that you don't have to worry about like getting back to the ship, you know, you're, mm-hmm. everything's good. You, you know, it's just, that would just add a whole nother level. To, well, not only to the excitement, but like if they did that in Mexico or, or someplace like that, I mean, you could go a lot farther and do a lot more where you're kind of limited when you have like an eight hour window or six hour window in most parts. Oh, definitely. Now it, it wasn't, like it was, it was really cool to be there overnight. But where they put you in Bermuda, at least where we were, I know. I, apparently, there's a few different places where ships can dock. They have like so you get up close. There's coral reef reefs all the way around the island. They they have a pilot come onto the ship and they have this pilot maneuver you into the dock. They brought us into the Royal Naval Dockyard, which when you go in there, it's a really cool touristy place to go into. Um, probably. I would say like, I mean, I, I can't give you guys anything to compare it size wise to, but it's very secluded. Like they have a few different stores you can go into uh, probably about the size of like two football stadiums next to each other. You can walk it. It's comfortable, but you can't really go outside of that boundary on foot. And so like, even if you were to go in there and stay the night, unless you were comfortable with staying on the other side of the Island, uh, you really don't get to experience much nightlife okay. right outside the ship. You got to take a cab or something to get a, get away. It's very, is it a really industrial port? It, no, it, I mean, it's historic. Uh, okay, it's, okay. So they have like an old fort there, which was amazing to check out, uh, the, the old British style fort that they had. But they also had a dolphin excursion inside of the fortress, which was really, really intriguing. Um, I think I saw some of your photographs from that. Yeah. Yeah, you put them on Fantastic Cruising Community, and I think – I saw some other ones. Yeah, that that was really interesting. The way it looked like it looked like a video game scene with a dolphin in it. It was really <laughs> strange. Yeah. It was actually I I thought that the enclosure that they were in was extremely small. But then the trainers that were there told us that the gates that they have in between each pen are always open, and then they have an access port out to the cove and they have that open 24 oh, cool. 7 as well and so the dolphins can come and go as they please and okay so I thought it, that's I thought awesome it was really yeah i thought it was really cool that the dolphins would come in they're always up bobbing their heads up around when the trainers would come in uh obviously wanting to to get some fish right. but the fact that they are there on their own accord was just really really cool to me very yeah, cool that's cool what were you most looking forward to for like your first cruise because obviously you said that you've done you did a lot of research but what what were you most looking forward to the the thing that got us most excited was the the fact that it was a halloween cruise we found out that there was going to be a halloween costume contest as well as a mega deck party at the same time. And so <laughs> we, we were just all like all over the place about like, what would you do for a costume? What, like, where, where would we go? What could we do? Like, should we do pirates? Like, no, everyone's going to be doing pirates, which everyone <laughs> did do pirates, like go figure. Uh, and so we went with the, uh, the inflatable T-Rex and, uh, and that was, we, we expected it to be fun. Uh, but what it was ultimately was just well beyond that. We went, no matter what room we went into in our T-Rex costumes and we went running into places, everyone just started cheering for us. Like it was just, it was ridiculous. It was, it was so much fun. And and that, that blew my expectations. I will tell you, you guys talked about him before Um, the cruise directors for the ship. We had Mikey, you talked about him once before. Um, Apparently he was really popular. He he blew it out of the water like he was the entire cruise like he made every (laughs) single moment just wonderful most of the cruise directors do a really good job i've I've had a few that were not as exciting but especially i would say on carnival 
Uh, and especially the some of the older ships, I feel like they they have to try harder. They have more mm-hmm. uh, work to do, so they they fill those shoes and they and they do it. But yeah, they can definitely make or break a cruise as far as some of the entertainment value goes. If you get a good cruise director, they yeah. can really kick it up a notch. Uh, the other thing that I was really excited about just actually because of you, Matt, was uh, the ice cream. How you guys saw it every time we went past the ice cream. Chocolate strawberry. Cream. Um, that Cheyenne enjoyed the, stro- the chocolate strawberry. I enjoyed the, the, the vanilla chocolate mix. And I, I will have you know, in, in a six and a half day period, I had 21. That's, there, oh you <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's my kind of cruise right there. Yeah, it, it's, it's weird because I'm not really a chocolate strawberry guy, but something about that combo Coming it was good. Those machines, I just really like it. But yeah, I'll I'll take any soft serve or frozen yogurt any day of the week. I love that. Oh, story. for sure. You got a, a chocolate covered strawberry milkshake like two days ago. That's true. It's steak and shake. Yeah, but that's <laughs> but that's why that was the inspiration. Like I wouldn't have done that had I not had the the carnival uh, ice cream experience. <laughs> it, it was funny. Cheyenne and I we went to the uh, the store yesterday because our house was empty after we, we threw everything perishable away and so we had to go shopping and we were standing in the the frozen food section looking at the ice cream and i'm like it's not the same and then sure enough this <laughs> announcement there was a beep over the uh the story intercom and we just we looked at each other and we paused we're like mikey and it's like nope nope they're just telling us that <laughs> it's time for this to happen <laughs> and so but no it's like the ice cream's not the same at home no no and you you get back and you're like wait i have to I have to cook my own food. I have to wait. Can I just pay with my sign and sale card? No, that doesn't, nope. that's not going to work anymore. <laughs> so, so besides it being a Halloween cruise, is there anything that like really surprised you about the cruise? Um, surprised? I actually, yeah, there was something that surprised me. So I was actually born in the East coast. I, I lived in Virginia beach for a while. And so I got used to that brown, green, murky looking water. And so <laughs> When we got to Charleston, obviously you see the ocean there and it's like, it's looking the brown, green, murky. We got out just probably not even 30 minutes out from Charleston and it's just so vibrant blue. The water was, and it was gorgeous. That blew my mind. I, I wasn't expecting like blue waters until we got down into the Bahamas. And so seeing right. that just right away, that was just like, it, it was like, man, we're on vacation. That was like the moment where it hit me like, man, we're on vacation. Now. That's cool. That still I totally surprises can relate me. To that. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm from Indiana, so like it still surprises me when I go to the beach and the water's like clear. It's like, mm-hmm. what is this? <laughs> yep. Well, even here in in the like Tampa Bay area, there's a spot. There's a little island called Egmont Key, and if you take a ferry out there, I mean, you could literally kayak to it if you were really fit. But you get to a certain point where the bay is dumping out, and then it mixes with like that Gulf of Mexico water. And it'll often just turn instantly like that blue green. It's not always clear, but sometimes it can be really clear. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely it's, like, wow. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm assuming, well, you already said you're going to cruise again. If, if you can talk Cheyenne into it, right? Yeah, which would be easy. That's going to be easy. She had a good time yeah. too? She, she did, yeah. Okay, good, good. Uh, what are your future cruise goals? Like, what, what are you thinking? Oh, I, I definitely want to go to Alaska. Um, something which you'll find in us northern folk. Canberra could probably attest to this. Uh, some of us are crazy and we enjoy the cold weather. Uh, and <laughs> I happen to be one of those people. I take it Canberra's not. She, that's why you're in Florida now, I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, no, no. no. Shaking my head, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I love the winter. I love the snow. That's when I paint the most. I get the most inspiration. Literally right outside my, my study window here, there's a lake out front that I get to look out over with some nice forest around. I get some of the most amazing sunrises in this area. And, and so I love the cold. Um, one of my dreams is to do, and this was even before uh, we ever talked about cruising, uh, was an Alaskan cruise. I want to go up there. I want to see glaciers. I want to see whales. I want to hop onto a surfboard and ride a glacier wave in a wetsuit. Like all of that just <laughs> sounds spectacular to me. That's cool. Well, I, I will say, you, you probably heard me talk about this. Like Alaska's never been high on my list, but every time I talk to anybody that's gone to Alaska, yeah. They just rave about how amazing it is. And, and it makes me think I really do need to get out there and, and experience it. I would love to see the, the animals out there and just the, the scenery. It's supposed to just be just beautiful, gorgeous. Like one of those places where pictures just can't capture the beauty yep. of, the, of the area. 
yeah i remember i remember you had your mom on and she talked about her trip to alaska and i would just I, I, if I could look at myself, I, I imagine I was just sitting there in my, my car drooling, listening to her <laughs> describe Alaska. Yeah. And she got back from that cruise. And I mean, I've seen, I've seen some pictures and a little bit of video and just hearing her go on and on. And she's a Caribbean person like me. I mean, my mom mm-hmm. is, she, that's where I get all my creature love. So she's a reptile person and all that stuff. But yeah, she just, yeah, she just was like, you need to go to Alaska. You need to go to Alaska. So that's cool. I, that's, that's pretty cool. I, I think that you would probably really enjoy that. And it'd be a very different cruise experience, but probably. still a cruise and still yeah. amazing. Something that, that was actually really surprising too. I am not a napper. I don't enjoy taking naps. I hate wasting the daylight. Uh, Cheyenne is the opposite. If she could, she would nap the entire day away. Uh, <laughs> I, we found ourselves napping a lot on the, on the ship. I, I, it seemed like, and this was this would be actually a good answer to your for, to, to your question about like expectations. I wasn't expecting to be so out of energy all the time. Yeah. It seemed like we couldn't catch up. Like we got on the ship the very first day, we're looking around at everything, and we had walked like so. We drove most of the day. We drove the ten hours in, um, stayed at a hotel. Uh, the next morning was driven to the ship to the port we had walked like 32,000 steps <laughs> just on this, on the ship on the first day. Yeah. And we, we were just exhausted. Like we, we couldn't catch up. I feel like too, the, the motion of the water and you're usually you're eating a lot and it just, it just t- does take a lot out of you. But that's mm-hmm. one of the nice things for me on cruising. Cause if I go on vacation anywhere else, like I'm like, go, 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 go. Like I never want to stop, but on a cruise, I'm sort of forced to relax. And then I end up being really happy that I relax. So it, yeah. it sort of it sort of makes me do the relaxation part of vacation, but still allows me to get some really amazing like exploration and exciting adventure time in as well. Very cool. Yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, I will tell you the the pride and joy that I had of uh, of this cruise was uh, snorkeling at Princess K. Um, oh. The entire the entire time did not get motion sick whatsoever on any of the boat or any of the ships, any of the small boats that we went on. Uh, but floating in the Atlantic with the little life vest, I actually, I deflated it. I dived down a few times to actually get up close to, to, to the coral, to some of the fish, uh, came back up, reinflated it and just floating on the oceans. I ended up throwing up. Right. You said, yeah, that's right. You said that you said you threw up in your mask. That's so weird because I get, motion sick like if i'm on a dive boat and uh and i've stopped if it's moving it's fine but i'll get motion sick but as soon as i'm in the water like i'm good so when you said that i was like oh i wonder if he was sick and i'd forgotten that you said it so you you think you got actually motion sickness from from the that's the I, I i honestly i don't i don't know I, I i threw up i felt great afterwards like it was like man i feel good <laughs> didn't get back in the water just in case uh but i don't know it was it was just a, it was a crazy crazy moment. Uh, Cheyenne was still out there swimming around. She had a great time, but watching the fish come up and partake of my I was throw say, up and all of that. That's yeah. like a treat, right? <laughs> yep, yep. I uh, I've become part of the, uh, the the circle of life there. In yes. The ocean. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So Tony, any advice for new cruisers out there? Well, I will de- I I will definitely say that if. If there's anybody else out there that does listen to this and they're thinking about cruising for the first time, do it. Like you, you won't know what it's like, no matter how often you listen to podcasts, no matter how much YouTube videos you watch, you won't know what it's like until you actually do it. And it's wonderful. Even if you don't like it, like at least you can still say, Hey, look, I left the country on a ship, went to another Island. It was wonderful. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Tony, for, for being on. And I look forward to talking to you again. It is my pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for talking with us. Have a wonderful night, guys. Well, that was cool. Nice to talk to Tony in person. It sure was. I mean, he's very active on Facebook. And so, you know, just like Jennifer, I've had a lot of communication with him, but that's the first time I've actually spoken to him. I did hear his voice because he sent a video in talking about his uh, snorkel mask. Oh, yeah. The which was really cool. One. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so so thank you to both of those guys, and and we really appreciate it when you guys do send us emails or put stuff on Facebook like that. That is so cool for us, 
and uh, helps us with the podcast as well. So if you're not already a member, head on over to Facebook and look for the Fantastic Cruising Community. Answer the questions. Join the group so that you can be a part of this really cool and growing cruising community. Yeah, definitely. We love getting everyone involved. It, it makes it more fun for us, too. Yes. And speaking of that, Tony actually went on to Facebook after the interview and uh, and he was talking about, well, we asked him if he would want to cruise again. And he was like, absolutely. But then he was talking about like, maybe there should be a fantastic cruising group cruise. And we were like, oh, yes, maybe. And a couple other people kind of jumped on there. So look, if that's something you would be interested in, we're just kind of putting our toes in the water. Uh, it'd be a little ways off, but let us know. Again, fantasticcruising at gmail.com. Do you want to cruise with Kimbra and myself? Do you want to snorkel with us? Or maybe scuba dive? Or just lay out on the deck and have fun, play some games? Let us know. I want to cruise with Kimbra and Matt. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's not really a group cruise, but okay, yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to about wrap it up. But before we go, I just want to mention a big thank you again. We've gotten some reviews on iTunes. That's super helpful. If you guys haven't done that already and you can, head over to iTunes, give us a star review, leave us some words. That is very, very beneficial to the podcast, and it means a lot to us as well. Yeah, five stars. Five stars. I mean, give us the stars you think we deserve five is good but um you know whatever whatever we want honest feedback honestly yes we do we honestly want honest feedback so that we can improve and make this podcast better bigger stronger and faster than it's ever been well matt it's time to head for the horizon until next time everybody seize the day have a fantastic week everyone So, Matt, this weekend has been pretty fun. It has indeed. What did we do? We went to Repticon. Repticon! I can't think of any Transformer things like Repticon, like Decepticon. That's right. Rep- you meddling Autobots will never defeat Repticon! Wrong cartoon? Okay. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I never was a big Transformers fan. No, that's, that's Repticon, my- slither out! <laughs> I don't know. That's all I got. Uh, yeah, so Repticon's a big reptile convention yeah. that happens all over the country, pretty much. But the one happened in Tampa, and we attended it in the hopes of, of getting a friend for Guinness. Yes, or it, something. Yeah, we failed at that. Yeah. But we didn't fail at getting another snake. Cause yeah. Because we, we got another snake. And this one, it's just not a friend of Guinness. Well, I mean, they might be friends. I don't know. but Just from across the room. Yeah, and the, and the reason is they're across the globe. So Guinness is our eastern rat snake, which is from the United States and actually was captured in North Carolina, Guinness was. Oh. And, uh, and our new snake is captive bred, but comes all the way from Oz. Yes. She's super cute. She is a jungle carpet python. That's right. And she's, well, let's see, she was born in early September. Yes, so right now she's about two months old. Oh, just a little little tiny thing. She's so cute. She's about a foot long, and she's about a little bit thicker than like a pencil. Yeah, she's itty-bitty. And right now she's kind of a tannish color with dark brown, like, bands on her. Or I guess she's more of a dark... Brown color with with tan bands on her. I don't yeah, know. like a lighter tan, like it's, dark. It's a zebra dark. white with black stripes. Or I don't know. Anyway. But she's, she's got some dark dark areas and some lighter areas. But the cool thing about carpet pythons is that as they grow, their color changes. And, uh, and since she's a jungle carpet python, she is going to turn kind of probably yellowish white and black are close to it. Yeah. So as she grows over the next two years, we will see some color changes. She's going to be so pretty. I mean, she's pretty now. She is. She's a beautiful snake. She is. Very, very cool. So anyway, what is her name? Her name is Zilly. It took us like all afternoon to... Well, you napped. 
Well, that's true, but not the whole time. You're right. You helped. And so we finally decided on Zilly because Zilly Falls is in a part of Australia called Queensland. Mm-hmm. And she is from a certain area called the, what was it called? The tabletop? Ta- table? Uh, if, uh, our, if, if our Australian listeners are like, what are you I talking about? Like the Ethereum tabletop? Is that what it was? Something like that. It was, well, there was a city. Yeah. Yeah. I think the whole area is like, but it's like table, tabletops, table down. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to figure that out. I, we've been looking at it all day. I don't know why we can't think of it. But anyway, she's from this area. It's kind of a rainforesty area in Australia. And, uh, and yeah, that's where she's from. Tablelands. Tablelands, not tabletop. I'm thinking <laughs> of gaming. T- Tablelands. Uh, behind Cannes. I think it's pronounced Cannes, like the one in France. Yeah. And, and a little bit south of there. So, anyway... That was pretty exciting, and I'm sure you'll start to see pictures of her showing up on Facebook at some point, and probably Instagram as well. Yeah, definitely. She's cute. I guess that's going to do it. All right. Bye. Bye.